I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse, and you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. If I was starting over today, right away, I would be reaching out to brands because the only thing that they can say is no. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Weinman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. This is episode 142. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in. We would really love to know what you think. For today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about collaborations from an influencer's perspective, how you find them or how you deal with them when someone approaches you, a brand approaches you, the different kinds of collaborations, and then how you kind of go through that process and what the benefits are um, for collaborating with brands and hotels and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But first, Jesse, what are you drinking today? So George and I went to a new restaurant this last weekend, and I want to say it was a little bit of a dive bar. It is in one of your little, your favorite towns of Salem, Massachusetts. It's called Longboards. It's in the um, Picker. Yeah, they just moved, I think, too. Locations. Okay, Okay, so I wasn't sure. I knew exactly where it was. but Like they moved like across the street or something. Okay, but it's kind of like not, I don't want to call it like a dive bar, but it's definitely super chill. And it reminds me of being like in California, as weird as that sounds. And so I was very much in mood for like a nice IPA and Lawson's. Sip of sunshine fit the bill perfectly for that night. <laughs> it was mm. really good. So um, I'm finding that I actually had really enjoyed all of Lawson's beers. So I feel like I just need to go down to um, the liquor store and pick up like three different six packs. Oh, we don't really have a great liquor store in this area for that kind of thing. Um, know, well, although Liquor Junction. Oh, yeah. That, yep. That is the place to go. Although that's near one of your least favorite places in the world. Market Basket. Market like Basket. Us. Yeah. Just keep driving past it. I know. Well, I was at a concert last night, and uh, at the very end, they brought out, not for the guests, unfortunately, but they brought out for the the, uh, orchestra bottles of champagne and popped them right on the stage and started pouring. And at the end, the the maestro um, cheers the audience. Oh, that's cool. So now I'm like, I'm craving some... Champagne. Yeah. 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 I feel like every day champagne is just an, uh, I know this sounds weird because I know it's like a specialty drink, but champagne is just such like a good everyday drink because it's light, it's crisp, it's Mm -hmm. refreshing. Except except remember when we went and saw Gran Turismo and there's like the little bit about champagne. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to no. do. I don't want to have any spoilers in case anybody has. No, no, that's but a good there's movie. there's a good point about champagne that was made in that movie. Yeah, so. I forgot yeah. about that. You're mm-hmm. you're very you're very smart about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Usually, I'm the one who picks up on everything in the movies. That was good, Jesse. I good. loved that movie. I want to watch it. It was again. it was so good, so mm-hmm. good. That was a collaboration, actually. That was it was, and I got to it's just ride on Kate's coattails <laughs> for that one. <laughs> you know, well, it it. You're you're uh, you're bringing up a good point. Um, yes. Yeah. So we're we're talking yeah. about collaborations. Um, well, I like- know I know I was interested in this topic because mm-hmm. I I mean I have a good idea of what you do, but if if I really think about it, and if I were to dive into collaborations, I would probably like head straight to you and be like, "How do I even do this?" Even though it's like I kind of know, but I think a lot yeah. of our audience might be in the same situation of. You know, I think I want to start doing this. I think I want to maybe get into the world of influencing or doing the the, the collaboration. So, um, yeah, you know, we we wanted to talk about this, and since Kate has been doing this now for several years, we thought it would be great for her to sort of run down, um, you know, the types of collaborations and sort of how to get started. And she's also going to talk about how she got started or one of her first collaborations, so you guys can get like a understanding of how you know, it came about and then sort of what's changed over the time and how it's impacted the way she does business with brands. So um, it really has changed a lot. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, you started what back in 2017, 2018. So yeah. So if you know, we were, we were talking about before we got on like my first collaboration. So I don't really remember the first official collaboration that I had because in 2017, it kind of just started off with brands would contact me and say, we want to send you this product. Would you, you know, post about it for us. And I had just really gotten into this. And so I was thrilled, right? I was like, oh my gosh, brands want to send me stuff so that like I can try it and I can post about it. And how cool is that? And is it, it's very cool. Um, But that was kind of your goal too. You wanted to, mm -hmm. you wanted to have a creative outlet. I know that's why Fashionly Kate & Co was kind of a creative outlet to start with, but with the intention that you can start to share you know, some of the things you love from brands as it relates back to your personal brand. And so it's just great when you can get paid for it and or Mm -hmm. get some sort of financial or gifted gain out of it. So definitely. um, And I mean, that's that brings up a good point, because you never want to just do a collaboration for the heck of it. And, you know, I'll talk about this a little later about staying kind of in your niche and where you can kind of where there's wiggle room there in terms of like, you know, I am, you know, I am originally travel and fashion and kind of have added motherhood to that um, vein of um, my topics that I focus on mostly. Um, but, you know, when is it OK to kind of go off topic and stuff like that is 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 all, also always a question, um, because while I'm not into well, I don't really talk a lot about beauty. I use beauty products. I, you know, use skincare products and stuff. And that's actually how my first collab, the first one that I remember being paid for came along. Um, That's just the one that sticks out in my mind. It was this skincare brand and it was, it was like NASA skincare. It was something based off of space, space skincare. That's what it is. (laughs) Wow. There we go. Space skincare. Mm. Um, They, And it was right around, it was August 2018. And I remember this because I actually like took it, the product with me. I'd gone, I was going to Disney World and I took the product with me to try it in Disney World. And it was a mask, a face mask, like charcoal face mask. And they wanted me to try it. And they wanted a blog post and an Instagram post. And again, I'll get more into like how content has evolved in terms of what brands are expecting, but they just wanted like a single image post for Instagram. And, you know, you don't, that doesn't sound like a ton of work, but like a full blog post and high resolution images and, you know, making sure they're everybody's happy and everything. I charged, this is ridiculous, <laughs> $75. Woohoo! And I was thrilled, you know, <laughs> of course, I of course, absolutely this is, because thrilled. this is, you know, like I said, you started off with the creative outlet with the idea that maybe yeah, at some it was point just, you can, you can start to get paid for some of your work. I and was so- still working full time and it was just for fun, you know, and I, and I loved it. Um, so that was, that was my first like paid experience and, and don't give, it was a great product and I love it. Um, I still use it. So obviously magic happened there. And so that um, was paid and then you got to keep the product, right? Yep. So cool. paid and product. So there's different there's different kinds of collaborations. And um I'm going to talk about a couple so, like the pros and cons of the of them. So there are gifted, which yes. is kind of what started off. Um people would send me things and they'd be like, "Hey, we'll send you this in exchange for a post." Now, that still happens um to me. The pros of that is that And you really have to weigh the pros and cons when it comes to a gifted campaign, because obviously, if it's not something that is in your wheelhouse, if it's not something that you use already, it may, you know, you may get it and you're like, well, I'm not really sure that this is something for me. And here you've signed up and you're not even getting anything out of it except for a free product that you may not even use. Um, And obviously, you don't want to be sending something out to your audience that you're really not behind anyways um the other thing is you're exchanging your time and talent that you have and your audience uh, when it comes down to it for a product so you know that's that's some of the cons that come along with it is that you you know you have to look at what is what is this product worth to me and how is this going to 
um, build my audience, be good for my audience, but also is this going to build a relationship with this brand? The other thing is that if you do, if this is a brand that you like, um, sometimes you might want to take the gifted um, product and say, hey, I want to work for you. Usually I do paid um, collaborations, but I really love this product. Um, so I'm going to do this one for the gifted, but maybe next time around we could talk about compensation, monetary compensation. And you just really knock it out of the park when it comes to this gifted um, collaboration and hope, hope that down the line there is something that is paid. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the pros and cons of the gifted. Paid, again, there's, you know, you'd think there would be no cons to that. The pros, obviously, um, usually you're getting the product for free. Sometimes they expect that you're going to buy it as part of the compensation. Um, but usually you get the product or the or the or clothes or whatever for free. And then you're paid to post to your Instagram, blog, TikTok now, of course, um, whatever. So they're they're not just giving you the items they're expected. They they're paying you for these deliverables. Now, so is sorry, there an expect is there an expectation difference, or at least what you felt over the years between paid and gifted? Like mm-hmm. you know, is is when they're gifted is they're sort of I don't want to say lower expectations from the brand, or do you oh. feel like there's lower expectations versus where they're paying you, or there higher expectations? Well, you know, it goes back to the word gift. You know, when you're giving somebody something, gifting them something, it's like, well, you know, that you obviously don't want to flake out completely. But in terms of, you know, being positive about the product or anything like that, it it can be a little less um, stress on you because you're not being paid to also talking about it. It's like, it's like, well, they gifted me this thing. So, you know, usually when you get like a gifted campaign, there isn't the expectation of we need to see the material beforehand. Um, we need to read your caption. We need to have approval on the, the, the photos that you take, uh, or the video that you take. There's no agreed upon publish date. Usually it is here. We are gifting you these things. Please post about it on Instagram. And there's kind of a gentleman's agreement that you will do that. Um, it's just, there's not the, it's going to be on this date and it's going to look like this and you got to have these hashtags. I mean, obviously you should have like gifted in the hashtag, but it has to have these specific hashtags and tag these accounts and all this kind of stuff. There isn't those, there aren't those parameters that you would have on a paid campaign. So maybe that's almost one of the pros of a gifted campaign where if you're feeling like you're at a point in your content creation career where, you know, you want something that feels a little bit more, you know, organic. less stress, organic, less stressful, yeah. maybe less expectations, maybe the gifted, maybe doing gifted for a while could yeah. help then sort of build um, your, I don't want to say confidence factor, but build your portfolio of experience working with brands. So I think that that actually could be a pro under the gifted. Yeah, that's, um, no, that's very true. So you mentioned briefly, um, so you, you talked about the the paid and you talked about the the gifted and then there's this like like experiences like what is so that? like like what do you well mean that's that? like what you and I did when we went to okay. like Gran Turismo um you know when we took Ariel to her first movie that was a gifted that was that was a gifted experience where they you know I worked with a marketing company who was promoting go see the film at this theater because of how cool all these features are and everything and you know so that was a gifted experience um also doing things like i went to um nantucket for a day and that's kind of an experience um so there's those things usually those are not paid uh opportunities but they usually the if if you're working with the right companies, they kind of knock your socks off with what is involved with it. 
and they might do something like compensate you for travel expenses or anything like that if if like you were driving to get there or something like that it some sometimes that's something that they will offer to take care of but that's on the rarer side right so for your nantucket one was that those like your ferry expenses covered and everything yeah so ferry expenses were covered um meals they had a day set up for us and we'll get i know we're going to talk more about um fam trips in a, a future episode but like um meals were covered and then you know you go to the different stores and they had gift bags for you know little swag bags and stuff like that for us so those are experiences and then um well we kind of already touched on the idea of gifted and paid which is that you get the product or the clothes or something and then you're also paid to post about them so right so okay so if you know again i'm thinking like i'm trying to put myself in like an early stage content creator shoes now when you mentioned your first collab that was something that they approached you but early in your content creation career were you also reaching out to brands like like if someone were just starting out like do you recommend them reaching out to brands do you recommend um, you know, waiting for them to come to you. Like, what did your process look like early on to get some of these early, early, early brand deals? So I, you know, I didn't realize that people were actually reaching out, and I don't know why it didn't come to me that people were actually re- reaching out to influencers to do this kind of stuff, or that other, or that influencers were reaching out to brands to do this kind of stuff. Because pretty early on, I had brands coming to me asking me to you know as i said they would give me this i had a watch company come to me that you know we'll give you this watch in exchange for a post so it didn't really hit me um for a while and then like i worked with alex and ani in 2018 and that was a paid collaboration that they i went into the store and they gave me a free bracelet and i had to like take pictures of this experience that they were offering and and again this is all a lot of it was also through networking too um because i would meet influencers at other influencers at these events that i went to um that were specifically for influencers and somebody would be like hey i've got a brand that's reached out to me for this but i don't think it's a good fit for me so i sent your in your way um it's actually a pretty nice community in the Boston area when it comes to the Boston bloggers. So no, I didn't start reaching out to brands. If I was starting over today, right away, I would be reaching out to brands because the only thing that they can say is no. Right. That's the only bad thing that they can say. Or they can just not reply, which is more often what happens. You know, if you email, it's they say if you email 10 10 people, you'll hear back from one or something like that. Right. You know, it's it's one of those things. Um, so, so, you know, crafting a good pitch email is key. Well, I have a question for you backing up mm-hmm. to this. So when brands were reaching out to you, so you were, mm-hmm. you know, you started this creative outlet, brands started to reach out to you. Why do you think they were reaching out to you without, because you were like, I really wasn't pitching. They were just reaching out to me. What do you think? got you to that point where brands would like find you and and actually reach out was it your following was it your content like do do you know why like or how and I know you mentioned the networking so I know that 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 was probably a piece of it but like if they were finding you outside of networking how do you think that that was happening um they using hashtags such as like Boston blogger um my content I'm not like I even like, funny thing is I look back at those pictures and I'm like, oh, they weren't really great. But for the time they were very trend. Some of the stuff I was doing was very trendy, um, which I mean, that's one of the things you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to follow trends. The other thing I was doing is I was tagging certain brands in my posts. So in 2018, um, I saw this wine. It was just a, it was just the funniest coincidence. I saw this wine um, truck uh, outside of a um, bar that was un- beneath where I worked, and I was like, "Wow, this looks like a really cute brand." And I loved the truck, so I just took a picture of the truck. 
And I was like, hmm, got to find out more about this, 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 it was like drink babe or babe drink or something like that. But, you know, what they're about. And I tagged them in this Instagram story. And they actually reached out to me and like sent me a, a, which is kind of funny because they sent me alcohol through the mail. Um, I didn't know you could do that. But they sent me this like care care package that had like this cute towel and these little koozies that are branded and like the drink that that I was talking about. Um, so tagging brands that you use on a daily basis or you're interested in or whatever, if you're wearing something from, you know, whatever whatever brand you like, tag them. If you have and that holds a, true for today too. Like if so, yes. I know that we're talking like early on, so that's still a practice that is good to so do today. I tagged Primark because I like I like Primark stuff it, for Ariel because it's you know it's inexpensive and you know she's so tough on her clothes anyways. So sometimes you need to have something that's on the less expensive side when you're talking about play clothes and everything. So I was tagging Primark on a lot of different things, and all of a sudden, um. Primark's PR people reach out to me and they specifically wanted to do okay. a kid too. I've done two campaigns where they specifically wanted to feature kids. So, hmm. um, you know, while I haven't had the opportunity to, cause it's, you know, you're working through a PR um, mm-hmm. agency. I haven't had the opportunity specifically to say, Hey, you know, what, what attracted you to me? I really should try yeah. and figure out where I could get that information because it would be interesting. But yeah, um, it does hold true today. Okay. And it's, um, it's probably the easiest way to get brands to notice you, but it's not always a surefire way because let's face it, anybody can tag right. a brand, right. you know, and you right. may not, you may not even be an influencer and you're just like, Hey, I got these jeans at target. <laughs> target, like target. target. You know, I like target. All right. So outside of tagging brands and like just like having them find you and doing the networking or, you know, the other way that you can get brands, which you started to do more, you know, later in your content creation influencing career was is pitching. Right. So, so I guess talk to us kind of about pitching and if you have a strategy or, um, you know, I know there's a lot that can go into it, but if someone yeah. were just starting out, like what sort of advice would you give them about pitching? Keep it. Sh- well, the easy answer is keep it short and sweet. So you don't want to send a whole, um, you know, love letter to the brand where it's like five different pages. You want to keep it short and sweet. You want to kind of get in and get out quick. So introduce who you are, but you want to give them enough information that they feel like they know you, but then you want to really give them the information of how you can help them. Because as much as they want to know who you are, they want to know, most importantly, how it's going to benefit them to get with you and collaborate. So that's stuff like your demographics on across your channels. Like, you know, you are not going to pitch to place like, you know, Nordstrom's if you have a mostly male demographic between the ages of, you know, um, uh, 15 and 26, you know, you are, if you have a demographic of mostly women between the ages of, you know, 30 and 45 or something like that, that's more going to be much more interesting to a place like Nordstrom people with like a, um, you know, focused on fashion that have a disposable income already available. Um, so you want to give them demographics. You want to give them your engagement situation on your posts, like how many people are actually engaging, what that engagement looks like. Um, but also, you know, giving them an idea of how you work. You know, do you work with a professional photographer? Do you shoot it yourself? Um, what kind of, and then, specifically what kind of coverage you are offering are you offering like one post on instagram and it's just an image are you offering an instagram reel and it's going to be you know using the nordstrom thing of you like changing outfits several times to show the latest fall fashion finds at nordstrom's are you um focused on 
kid, you know, kid fashion. Um, and is that going to be, you know, okay, well, you can get all your back to school stuff. Like, what's the what's the theme of the post kind of idea? So and that that doesn't always pan out necessarily, but it shows that you've given some thought to how you could work together and what the brand may be looking for in terms of coverage. And who, I know this is probably one of the hardest parts is Ooh. how are you, how are you doing this? Are you doing it through DMs? I mean, it probably varies, right? Mm-hmm. You might be doing it through DMs, but you also are probably emailing some people. And then like, how are you finding the right people to email? That's because I know it question. could get like super lost and like. It can, know. it can. Um, So there's a couple of ways that you can do it um, because sometimes brands have in-house PR. Usually you're going through the PR department, whether that is the in-house PR department for a brand or if they contract somebody out. So it's figuring that out, like who do they use, um, which can be difficult. I try not to DM right away because I try to want to look like I've done my homework, you know, uh, that is definitely the easiest way, but you don't always get an answer from them because they get so many DMS, right? Because any, well, any, it may anything... just be like some teenager running Instagram account. Well, like... And also, I mean, DMS, you know, I can tag somebody on a post and that's technically a message to them, you know? Yeah, so think about how many, especially if you're talking about larger brands, you know, I, I will argue that you know, think big, but start small. So like if you got that top at Nordstrom's or Target or whatever, tag them. Um, But you're probably not going to be getting accounts with them right away. You're probably going to be getting accounts with like smaller brands to begin with. And that's Mm -hmm. totally cool. Um, And you should tag those brands too. Like don't be, don't be shy. Um, But, you know, so I, I try to reserve DMing if I really can't figure out who to contact. So. I go on to their Instagram account and sometimes I'm looking at what PR firms are they following um, and seeing and then looking at their the PR firm. It's, it's like a whole integrated web here. Then looking at what the PR firms are posting. So um, like with Primark, Buttermilk, which is a actually a British agency, handles their PR needs. Mm. So like if you look at Primark, they're following, you know, Buttermilk PR or whatever. Um, that's not always your surefire get, but like, if you see that a brand is following a PR agency, it's usually like a ding, ding, ding. There may be a connection here. Interesting. Uh, and then you can go in there and kind of figure it out. Um, the other way is if is searching on LinkedIn, Mm. um, like, and you can do things like public relations for XYZ brand, um, influencer contract you know searching key key terms like influencer um public relations content director you know that kind of thing um and linkedin for a certain brand and you might come up with somebody who might be involved in their pr department that you can start with at the very least then if you can't find your email from their email from there because i know a lot of people don't list their email right on linkedin um, there's this tool and you have to be careful because it's, um, you can only get so many free searches, so you can <laughs> pay for it, but it's called rocket reach. Hmm. Never heard and of it. yeah, rocket reach. So you type in, if you have a name and a company, you type in the name and the company and it'll come back with, um, usually a couple of choices for emails. So, like, it might say, hold on, let me try it for free. I'm going to just do this real quick. So, you go into Rocket Reach. You can try it for free. And, like, it actually searches, it shows you, searches Mark Cuban. And it shows you, which is from, you know, Shark Tank or whatever. And it, like, gives you, shark, like, it shows you what his his email may look like. So, you know. Um, you can just go on there and you can search, um, five lookups, five free lookups per month, no credit card required. So you can look up, 
you know, John Smith at Apple and you'll get an idea of his email because like every every company does like you can make a bunch of guesses on how they're going to do their email. But like, why not just look up something like this and have an idea of, okay, it's actually this. So that's that's my other tool. And then, as I said, if if you absolutely cannot figure out who is in charge of PR or influencer marketing, then just send them a DM. You know, as I said, you might have to pester them because, again, they got a lot of DMs. But if you if you send like an, hey, I'm looking for the leader, you know, the the director of influencer marketing mm-hmm. or whatever, um, I'd, I'd like to talk to them about an opportunity. Usually people are pretty nice and they'll say, um, yeah, this is this is the person you should be reaching out to. Very rarely do they like tell you to pounce ant. So one thing I know that we've talked a few times about a few different people is, um, you know, what are you, what are you saying in your subject line? Like, when you is it like potential collaboration or collaboration opportunity? Like, what do you, like, I know you've probably tested it. I don't know if you have like a tried and true, but like, can you give us mm-hmm. a few like, like example, like one or two that you've d- used before just so people have like a starting point knowing that they're probably going to have to like test it. Uh, this is where, this is probably where I could use a lot of help. Cause I feel like I've crafted a really good collaboration email template for things. But when it comes to the, (laughs) the, the subject line, like I am always so bad because you don't want to sound super spammy, right? Right. You don't want to sound too general you know you want to make it sound like it's an exciting opportunity for them yet you know you're not they don't open your email and like you know you're they're going to destroy you're going to destroy their computer with some kind of malware or something like that right you know or waste their time you know which i don't know what's worse sometimes for some of these people um you know I just try to be authentic in my subject lines and they're, you know, maybe a little boring, but, you know, if I'm talking about working with a local brand, I'll say something like, you know, local influencer looking to collaborate or, um, you know, uh, are you open to collaborating? Something Mm. like a question sometimes is okay i know that a lot of people find a lot of luck with asking questions in their subject line um so those are options but if anybody else i should just say maybe maybe this is a chat gpt thing where we like try to uh, you know what that might be a good idea because if anybody has something much better which i'm sure there's something out there that would be you know please dm me I would really appreciate it because I'm always so awkward. Like I can write a, a great pitch email, but for some reason that subject line is what kills me. So that was a really good question. Not yeah, I no, I either. I know. Even when I I don't know when I have to send email, well, or even just my regular emails that are my nurture emails, I guess you could call them. You know, or mm-hmm. what Sarah Noel Block would call them. Our our yeah. former guests. You know, it's it's hard to craft a, an email that gets that a subject line that gets those open rates, but yeah. Um, so I know we wanted to cover a couple other things um, because, again, as someone who's listening to this being like, okay, I want to get started with this, um, you know, mm-hmm. and or maybe they've been doing the gifting for a while and they're yeah. like, okay, like, I really see potential. I'm getting a lot of collaborations, but I haven't started charging yet. Like, when do you know? And or like, I guess at what point were you were you like, okay, no, I'm charging for this. And yeah. did you have a method to the badness? I know you said you charged like $75 for the one. Um, you know, yeah. at what point did you start really like charging regularly and feeling good Confident. about your pricing? Yeah. So with that situation, they actually asked me right away how much would my rate be? Um, so it made it easy for me the first time when that, that time and I was like, oh yeah, I can charge for this kind of thing. Like how cool. And then I just came up with something that I was like, oh, I hope it's not too much. And I just threw out a number and it was, that was don't. And again, I'm thrilled and I really appreciate that first collaboration. It taught me a lot. 
Um, and it's actually pretty fun to work with them, but don't charge. That's way too low, even for those first starting out. Um, some people will argue that you can start with like zero followers. You can start charging. I will say if you have great content that you have photos that are sharp, crisp, have a really strong editorial direction in terms of like, you know, what you're trying to get across and people can feel that as well. Um, whether that's, as I said, photos or video, um, you're doing cool things with your video. You've done the research when it comes to hashtags and you're writing the captions that are really snappy and get people to actually respond by liking, saving, commenting, going into your link in bio and clicking and you're looking at all of those um, those uh, numbers um, and you're seeing that people are actually paying attention to this and you can document that and show a brand that you're worth it. I would say you can start as soon as you want to get going on this. Like if you're somebody who is out there, like I think I had 500 followers and it was 2018. So those are the days of Instagram where you could put up a picture of a cat and get 500 likes if you were the right person, mm -hmm. you know, and you were doing the right hashtags and stuff. Obviously now it's become a lot harder. Um, but if you're, if you're taking really great photos, if you're taking really great video and you're really providing value and you have access to an audience, no matter how small it is, I think you should be able to charge as soon as possible. But you have to be able to prove to the brand that you have this audience that is actually sitting up and taking notice. And, you know, I think it does that comes back to what a lot of brands are seeing lately because you have the influencers that have millions of followers and their engagement rate is actually kind of on the lower end of the spectrum where then you have these um, micro influencers that are getting, you know, yeah, okay, maybe they're not getting a couple million likes on a photo, but when you look at their actual engagement rate, you calculate all of that. You, they're getting more like a four or 5% engagement rate on their posts. Right. Um, so brands are seeing brands like lately in the past couple of years have really been seeing um, what micro influencers bring to the table. Mm -hmm. um, so, as I said, as long as you have an engaged audience and you can produce a professional looking product, you should be able to charge. And I know some of this starts to be influenced by your niche and mm. the more you niche and I'm a big proponent of niching the more yeah. you specialize in something I feel like the more control you have in setting sort of higher prices and or just charging for exactly what it is you can offer so talk to us about niching in the influencer world and you I mean you're not you have a like a an umbrella of niches that sort of serve an overall like lifestyle. And so I would say like it doesn't necessarily have to be like just food. I mean it can be just food, but you're like right. motherhood motherhood lifestyle and fashion and travel. So like, but it's all under this like umbrella of like where you are. Like motherhood can tie into the lifestyle and your motherhood ties into your travel and then your travel ties back into motherhood and then like everything sort of like aligns with like and your personal and... yeah so talk to us about like a niche and like why like maybe why it can be so hard to pick but then also you know at what point did you like figure out like where you want to go with your brand right so when I started doing this to anybody who offered me like free product or whatever or or, or was offering to pay me um you know you, there is something to be said about building that portfolio right um, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. No, right. you know, send send it along. Yeah. Um, and I will say that at one point I did niche down like super specific, and in having children, that that has kind of opened me back up to other things. Um, just because I've had to. Um, you know, I was trying to go like hyper focused on travel. But then having Ariel and not being really able to travel for, you know, several different reasons and then the pandemic and all that kind of stuff, I was able to integrate different interests 
um, into my brand. So I'll just say that once you pick a niche, don't feel like you're, you know, don't feel like you should be bouncing all over the place. You know, that's not what I'm going to say, but like, don't feel like you have to absolutely stick to it 100%. Um, just because part when you are an influencer, part of what people are buying is you, which is a scary thought and one that I've had to reconcile with. But part of the reason why you're doing this is because you are supposed to be sharing with your audience places, things, brands that you are, that you stand behind, that you, if somebody was, if your best friend was to come to you and ask you for a recommendation on something, you wouldn't recommend something that you just, you you never used. You would, you, you know, recommend something that you've, you've been using for years and you absolutely stand by. Um, so that being said, when it comes to a niche, like I would say, pick some, pick things that you're passionate about. Um, for me, that is the travel, the motherhood and fashion. So I try to stick with that in terms of what are products that are going to make my life easier with my kids. What destinations am I going to be traveling to that are kid friendly? Um, what am I going to be wearing on a trip that is easy to wear with kids, but still makes me look fashionable? But then it goes beyond where it's like, you know, when I was do when I was pregnant, like maternity pieces that didn't make me feel like I was wearing a muumu every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right? You know, um, it. I I just say. Be open to change, but don't be picking things up just willy nilly because people are offering you free stuff or even to be paid. I've turned out, you know, and it's, I know this is something that what another, another part of being an influencer is people really don't understand a hundred percent your job. They just Mm -hmm. kind of think that you get to do these cool things and um, get free stuff and, and get paid to post on Instagram. Like they don't really understand how much work it is. Um, what's involved and what kind of you give up to do a lot of this work. So they think you should just be willing to pick up anything. um, Right. So they might send you like here, here is this Patriots Jersey because you live in new England. You would want this. Right. And exactly. Yeah. And I don't, you might wear like a t-shirt, but like, I feel like a Patriots shirt. I'd be like, all right, Alex, here you go. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like, so that's, you know, something. And I think, I think along those lines, being passionate um, is key because if it fits, if it fits well within like things that you already are doing in your life or already use or kind of use or feel like you would use or need to use um, rather than like stretching into an area where you're just like unknown, which again, there might be a caveat there. You might be like, yeah. oh, I would never have thought to use this, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a really good point to figure out sort of what you're naturally drawn to. There's a lot of influencers that I guess you could call them influencers and people I follow on TikTok that are just like, you can tell that they have like experience in the thing that their sort of their niche is or they're just super passionate about it. And I think it just comes out very authentically in that way too. Because if you're talking about, as I said, you wouldn't recommend a product that you've never tried to a friend. So why are you doing it with your Instagram audience? It's like, it's not, you know, we've talked about authenticity on this this podcast quite a bit. And it's not authentic. It's not. and, And then also your audience if they were to find out that you were suggesting something to them that you've never used or, you know, you've used like one time and you really didn't even like it, somehow somebody's going to figure it out and then they're not going to trust you. Right. And that loses a lot of your... Well, there's those blog posts whenever I'm like, like the other day I was researching, you know, drones because I have a drone. I'm certified to fly it. I do need to re-up my certification and I've it's been years. And so I was realizing there's a lot changed. And then like, Mm -hmm. I get bombarded with like a lot of these blog posts that, you know, you're just wondering, you're like, do they really like these drones or were they just paid to say these are the top 10 drones or whatever it is. So I get that. I think building that trust is going to 
be really appealing to not only getting more brand deals, but building yeah. your audience. Um, so, And if I a think- brand knows how to utilize influencer marketing right in the, in the correct way, they're going to recognize that, you know, even if it means like you're saying, you know, something super positive, but maybe you have one criticism about it, you know, like I had, I went to a hotel and it was an amazing experience. And the one criticism that I had was that there weren't a, like there, we've been to other hotels where they had like smart TVs and not that this is even a huge deal, but I was like, you know, they probably could have used like a Roku stick in the hotel room or whatever, right. like, just cause that seems to be the expectation these days for right. a hotel of that caliber. Right. So, you know, being a, a, a true, if you're really going to collaborate with somebody, it's not going to always be sunshine and rainbows. You also need to not be afraid to just say something that may not be the most positive thing, um, mm-hmm. which can get murky. And I don't even want to go go into that too much. But, um, you know, just being authentic is, is a huge piece of the puzzle. Now, I know we've covered a lot of ground here, but just to sort of wrap this up in like a nice, pretty little bow mm-hmm. um, from like the start, we, we started this conversation with you sharing like one of your first collaborations and what that sort of looked like. What has evolved over time? And now if someone were getting into the influencer game, what can they expect, especially from like the deliverable standpoint? Because we're talking stills, we're talking video, yeah. talk to us about sort of what you what you're seeing as the mm-hmm. more common deliverables these days for your collaborations. So it you know I know that a lot of people just go automatically to the reels um or TikTok videos and again a brand that really knows its audience will know what's going to benefit them. I've actually offered reels to certain brands and they said you know what that's not really going to benefit us that we find that this goes this we have carousel posts work best for us or you know just regular posts go best so you know it's it's different for each brand i will say that kind of standard these days and i i'm talking mostly from an instagram point of view because i'm not very they don't post a lot on tiktok um if you're talking about an instagrammer the bare minimum is, you know, a set of Instagram stories. So like three to five um, frames, even with that one uh, one minute extension that they have now um, on Instagram stories and some kind of Instagram post, whether that is a static post, a carousel post or an Instagram reel. Um, going beyond that, some, you know, I do prefer, I do like doing blog posts and I will always offer a blog post if I feel like it fits um, the bill. And sometimes brands will say, yeah, that would be great. And, you know, we'd love it and you can charge more for it. Or and sometimes they're just like, no, not really going to fit our needs. So those are kind of your your typical expectations. I know with TikTok. um, I think TikTok has stories now too. So I'm sure that they're looking for that as well. The other thing is um, link in bio can sometimes be a, an expectation, you know, mm-hmm. that you've, that you have some kind of tracked link that they provide you with um, that they can see how much your you know, how your posts are converting when it comes to, you know, go check out my link in bio for uh discount coupon or something like that and they you they click on that and they can actually see okay i brought in this many clicks to their to their uh to their website right um so that's something and that's again something else you can charge for hmm. um but that's interesting that's kind of an outlier a lot of times because that actually involves like going back to the bio and clicking on it and everything whereas a lot of people will just be like yeah just go search this yeah <laughs> interesting I did. I would have never thought that that was something that you actually charge for. So I think that's really good that you pointed that out to our audience. You can, especially I mean, like since that's changed, like because that Bert, like when IG first started out, you had yeah. to have like, and now you can actually use links too in your stories, and like that wasn't a thing when yeah, yeah Instagram. That's first. the other part of it is you know you want to make sure that you're using links in your stories and stuff like that too. You you can do that from for them. 
that uh that's that is that brings up a good point the linkage stories too you can yeah. basically charge for anything and everything that you can no i'm, I'm serious i because, love it you know it's you, they're taking up space on your instagram feed or your your blog um you should be passionate about what you're talking about but they should also be willing to pay for that passion i love it um well i think we covered so much ground and i am so glad that you were able to share all of this because i i actually learned a lot like i know i know what you do but i think there's definitely a lot of nuggets that even i learned from so i think anybody listening that like wants to start is gonna be like oh all right cool so um yeah i think i think uh it's such an interesting world. It's so different from well, so many other the, things. But And that's the last thing is that I'll say is that it is a very different industry. And again, a lot of people and, and this goes not just for brands. It doesn't just go for, you know, people in other fields, even sometimes family members and friends. They can look at your job and they can think, well, you're just kind of look, you know, getting like if you ask Ariel what I do for a living. She's completely lost, has no idea. Right. She thinks that we get to just go to hotels and do fun things. And that's about it. Um, and, the, you know, I had to explain to her on a recent trip that we there's so much more involved. And, you know, I know sometimes people are like, oh, well, you get to you get to go to these places and, you know, oh, you're taking your time to go to a farm or go to a beach or go to this just to take pictures yeah i'm going to those places to get content because i want to stay because because you shouldn't just have this is this is the last thing i'll say you shouldn't just have sponsored content on your blog or instagram or tiktok that is you know the last thing that you should do because again you're still fostering that relationship with your audience and potentially with other brands um mm-hmm. so you should be posting about just your, you know, whatever else you're passionate about when it comes to your niche, even if it isn't a sponsored post. So, you know, I'm going to a farm to get pictures of pumpkins because it's fall and I need to stay relevant. Um, and sometimes that can get lost on people. They just think you're kind of going and doing fun stuff. And you're like, yes, yes, it is fun, but it is also part of my job. And if I don't do it, I don't stay relevant and brands aren't going to look at me and want me. They're going to think, when is the last time this girl actually went and shot and shot content? Is she right. even, is she even a thing anymore? Right. Right. Exactly. You know? So there's, there's a lot involved, but I would say take, if, if you, even if you want to do this as a side hustle, take it seriously. Right. Agreed. So. <clears throat> totally agree. All right. Well, now that I've gone on and on, because it is something I am passionate about. Thanks so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Cocktails and Content Creation Community. And you can check us out on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation. I am Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram, where I don't just post sponsored posts. In fact, most of the time I'm not posting sponsored posts <laughs> these days. At Fashionably Kate and Co. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. Until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creating. Mm-hmm.